I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The foot-in-the-door technique would work perfectly for any salesman if he had an invisible foot. A message from our sponsor by Henry Slazar. That's next on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast with at least one lost vintage sci-fi short story in every episode. We are live on YouTube tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. There's a link in the description if you need it. Henry Slazar makes his debut on the podcast today. Born in Brooklyn in 1927, Slazar launched his 21-year career as a copywriter at the age of 17, right out of high school, at the prestigious advertising agency Young and Rubicam. Some say Slazar coined the term coffee break. Slazar experienced a lot of success in his lifetime. He wrote hundreds of short stories, over 40 in 1957 alone. Alfred Hitchcock hired him to write for Alfred Hitchcock Presents. In 1974, he won an Emmy Award as the head writer for CBS Daytime's The Edge of Night, where he was the head writer for 16 years. From the pages of Infinity Science Fiction magazine in October 1956, Specifically, page 37, comes the strange story we've all been waiting for. A message from our sponsor by Henry Slazar. And that was Smokey Donahue's Western Swingsters, playing Red Dust for all you Martian fans out there. Now, let's take a look at the new recordings. Hot off the presses this week from all over the system. Looks like we have a real treat for you tonight, folks. There's a brand new label from way in outer space. Yes, sir, the very first record put on wax by the Martian Recording Company. And it ought to be a Lulu. 
We'll spin it for you in just a minute. But first, here's a message from our sponsor, the Oxygen Corporation of America, Earth's oldest and finest manufacturers of compressed oxygen equipment. Friends, when you're scooting around in your little rocket roadster, do you ever stop to think that your fine vehicle deserves nothing but the best in equipment and accessories? Well, next time, take a look at your oxygen tanks. Are you still using the cumbersome, old, outmoded tank with ugly valves and low capacity? Wouldn't you rather have the new, streamlined Oxco tank that gives you months of service without refilling? Models cost as low as $4,000, and they're guaranteed up to a full year. Call your local rocket supply store today and get all the facts. When you see the new Oxco, you'll know why we say Oxco never leaves you breathless. Well, I see Jonesy, our control board operator, waving at me like mad, folks. He wants to hear this new disc from Mars, too. So, without further ado, here we go. It's on the canal label, and it's called Melancholy. The boss slammed the file drawer shut in disgust. The Martian, standing before his desk, shuffled his feet and rotated his cap with his third hand. Displeasing you, he said. Come back other time, do? No, Huber pointed to the chair. You sit down. We're going to straighten this whole thing out right now. He reached across the desk and snapped on the intercom. Davis, he said, we're going to have a foreman's meeting this minute. Davis, at the other end, was inclined to argue, but the boss stopped him. Don't tell me we're busy. I know our production schedule better than you do. Get the foreman up here right away. The foreman shuffled in ten minutes later. They looked sheepish, like small boys caught in the jam pot. Huber got right to the point. You boys have been picking on Chaffnew again, and I won't stand for it. He slapped the desk with a board-like palm for emphasis. Curly, the foreman, said, Oh, gee, boss, just a little rhubarb, that's all, just a little kidding around. Boys didn't mean any harm. Mean any harm? Huber's eyes went so wide they threatened to pop out on the desk. Chaffnew, show it to him. The Martian looked embarrassed. Then he slowly lifted his rope-like foot and displayed the quarter-sized burn on the heel. Kidding around? Huber looked dangerous. That's what you call kidding around? They could have burned Chaffnew to a crisp. You know how sensitive he is. Burke, the small parts man, said placatingly, Well, the boys are kind of edgy, Mr. Huber. It must be the weather or something. They need a little, what do you call it, outlet. Besides, said Curly, the goons kind of provoke them, you know what I mean? Don't ever use that word to me. The irritation that had been brewing in Huber all day now boiled over. He walked around the desk and shoved his big-jawed face up close to Curly's chin. His small stature made no difference. Curly trembled nervously. They're Martians, the boss said, not goons. Understand? Martians. Isn't that right, Chaffnew? Chaffnew looked as if he wished Earth had never been born. 
He glanced up guiltily at the assembled foreman. All right, said Huber. Now let's get this straight. One more incident like today, and I'll hold you guys responsible. Chafnu and all the other Martians in this plan are doing good work. Better, if you want to know, than most of you Earth guys. Sure, mumbled Curly. If we had three hands, we could... That's enough, I said, shouted the boss. He swabbed his forehead with his hand. We got Oxco tanks to turn out, so let's get to it. The meeting's over. The foreman left, more crestfallen than when they had entered the office. Chafnu looked uncertain as to what he should do next. The Martian simply sat and watched Huber go back to his desk. The boss went over to the musophone and flipped the switch. My nerves are shot, he told Chafnu. He sat back in his swivel chair, sighed, and closed his eyes. The haunting strains of melancholy drifted through the office, and Huber listened and slowly relaxed. The Martian just sat there, miserably. Hi there, flyboys. Time to climb into the wild black yonder again with your old skipper, Vince Vanelli, bringing aid and comfort to all the ships in space. We got a rocket chamber full of new notes and blue notes, all the latest hits from the bings of Earth to the rings of Saturn. So buckle your G-belts and lend an ear to the biggest instrumental smash that's hit the system in an eon. You asked for it, spaceman, so here it is again. That ever-loving outer space symphony, Melancholy. The pursuit was in orbit when the accident happened. Earth's gravity gripped it like a giant hand and brought it plummeting down into a granite quarry in Wisconsin. It was a Sunday, and the explosion of the ship's reactors didn't kill anyone but the two pilots. There was a routine investigation, but the evidence, as usual, was spread across too many states to make it productive. But when the Marjorie, a space freighter, got herself in trouble, the pilot managed to reach the Earth Communication Center before he disappeared forever into the Mediterranean. The voice cried out something like, Ox on the bum! Then the pinafore registered an SOS. This time an accident was avoided. A tug was dispatched to the site in a hurry and the pilots were transferred. The captain of the tug submitted his log to the Space Commerce Board, and the most pertinent page read, Pinafore's Oxygen Tanks, Manufacturer Oxco, Serial Number 2853, were defective and were seriously endangering life aboard. Diana Huber tilted the decanter and held it over the glass a little too long for her husband's liking. Easy, easy, he cried from his chair. How much of that stuff do you think I can take? This one's mine, she said, starting to pour another. Huber shifted in his seat. Aren't you overdoing it, honey? He asked uneasily. I mean, do you really think you should drink so much? It kills time, she said. It makes the hours a little shorter. What else have I got to do? You've got your job. What have I got? Well, I only meant, I mean, if the kids... The kids are pasted to the screen, she replied, meaning that they were at the TV set. She flopped on the overstuffed sofa and yanked her skirt almost up to her thighs. She still had lovely legs, Huber thought, but she used them like an old frump, and she wasn't even fifty, just forty-seven. 
Why did she have to flop around that way? Well, let's have it, she said, twirling the amber fluid in her glass. My Hard Day at the Office by George Huber, age 11. He looked up, almost shyly. Oh, nothing new, he said in a low voice. Same old stuff. Diana swallowed half her scotch. She gave a little cough, blinked, and said harshly, You know that's not so. Something's up. Some kind of labor trouble. And your tanks are blowing out all over space. Is that the same old stuff, George, dear? Huber put down his paper. It's the men, he said. They've gone nuts or something. Moping around all day, singing the blues, snapping your head off if you make one little suggestion. Diana closed her eyes. I'm listening. Go on. Something's gone wrong with all of them, said Huber, eager to pour out his overburdened heart. They act like they just don't want to work, turning out plain junk on the assembly line. Even the accuracy control boys are letting down on the job, and they're supposed to be crackerjacks. In fact, the only guys that are doing any kind of job are the Martians. I hired myself fifteen more today, but that's only going to stir up more fuss. I hate them, said Diana, sipping slowly and looking down into her glass moodily. Ugly, slippery things. Ugh. What? said Huber blankly. Your Martian friends, taking away good jobs from Earth people, never buying anything. And those awful arms. If you ask me, we ought to send them right back where they... You don't know them, he interrupted loudly. They're nice, quiet folks. They work hard, and they don't give you a hard time. They're ten times as efficient as some of the bums in... All right, all right. You don't have to shout at me. Diana stood up and gulped the rest of her drink down. Then she went over to the phonograph. Are you going to play that song again? asked Huber. Do you mind? she said sarcastically. I happen to like it. Huber said something under his breath and returned to his paper. But when the record started, he put it down and just listened as the strange haunting Martian melody filled the room. Blinker. Then the Martian says, For Pete's sake, why can't you clean up this filthy cave sometimes? Straight man. So what did his wife say? Blinker. So his wife says, what do you expect? I've only got three hands. Straight man. Well, tell me, Blinker, what else did you do on your trip to Mars? Did you meet any... What's wrong? Blinker. Nothing's wrong. Just don't step in front of the camera, that's all. Straight man. <laughs> Sorry, old man. Uh, tell me, what else did you do on... Blinker. Now, for Christ's sakes, I told you to get out of the way. What are you trying to do, hog the show? Director, off camera. Psst, Blinker, what are you doing? We're on the air. Blinker, I don't care if we're on the air. Bear, I won't be pushed around. Straight man, you won't, huh? Okay, you fat tub of lard, I've had enough of your... Director, Blinker, Adams. Blinker. I'll punch that stupid face right into... Announcer. Ladies and gentlemen, due to circumstances beyond our control, the Universal Broadcasting Company interrupts the Joe Blinker Comedy Hour to bring you a program of recorded mood music. Our first selection is a popular record on the Canal label, 
entitled Melancholy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The chairman rapped his gavel for order. One more demonstration like that and we'll have to clear the room of spectators, he warned. This inquiry is a serious matter and we cannot permit levity. Now, Mr. Collins, go on with your testimony. Montague Collins, the 51% owner of the Oxygen Corporation of America, looked uncomfortable. I beg your pardon, he said. I did not mean to be funny. I agree with the chair that defective equipment is a serious business, and my reference to the Martian's three hands was meant in earnest. We understand. Go ahead, Mr. Collins. I was merely stating that, contrary to articles in the public press, the Martian's efficiency level has been more than maintained at the Oxco plant. It's the human efficiency level that has declined. There was an excited buzzing. I believe, he continued, mopping his face, that this fact will be borne out by the experience of many other manufacturers. And I'd like to submit in evidence some replies to letters I've sent to executives all over America. You will see that they corroborate what I've told you. May I have the chair's permission to read these replies as part of my testimony? It does not seem relevant at the moment, Mr. Collins, but they may be submitted for publication into the record. Please tell us about your own experience. I'm afraid I do not have much to add. As a result of our troubles, we are increasing the number of Martian employees considerably. Just how many is considerable, Mr. Collins? Montague Collins cleared his throat. We now employ four Martians to every three humans. Not even the gavel could quiet the spectators this time. Curly was about to demolish a ham and Swiss on rye, but when the Martian moved across his line of vision, he paused and called out, Hey, Chaff New! The Martian stopped and swiveled his bulbous head around at the foreman. Yes, he said. Want a bite of this? He held up the sandwich. No, your thanks, said Chaff New. Go on, have a taste. It's good for you. Do not think this said Chafnew, trying to solve the old riddle of how to produce an engaging smile. He merely succeeded in looking like a surprised beetle. What's the matter, Chafnew? Too good to eat with your foreman? Curly flushed. The hirings and firings of the last two months had unnerved him, and the fact that he was handling his own job poorly only made the situation worse. 
have not required two food, said the Martian. Best existence of silicone substances. Understanding do? However, your thanks and very. He began to move, but Curly was obviously in the mood for trouble. He got up from the bench and put his beefy hand around one of Chaffnew's arms. It's pain, said Chaffnew mildly. Improvement, if released, your thanks. You're a wise guy, Chaffnew, said Curly. He knew that he was skirting a dangerous edge, but he was just too irritated to care. You're a bug-eyed bastard. What do you say about that? I have comment inward, the Martian answered, trying to pull away from the foreman's grip. In fact, said Curly, now squeezing harder, I got a good mind to kick you right in the seat of the pants and keep kicking till you fly right back to Mars. Pain, said Chaffnew, can release do? And what if I don't? Am in power yours, said the Martian. You're goddamn right, and I'm going to give you a little lesson in manners, you curly. Huber came striding over fast, and the look on his face was sufficient to make the foreman drop both Martian and Sandwich. Gee, boss, I... Never mind, Huber thundered. You had the chance. Now you're getting your walking papers. Get out of here, Curly. Get out of here now. But, Mr. Huber, I said beat it. You're not the foreman around here anymore. And in case you want to know who your successor is, take a good look. Huber pointed a shaking finger at Chaffnew, who bowed his head modestly. And here it is, folks, the big one. The top one, the melody that swept the solar system. You've proved that you love it. All the disc jockey requests, all the record sales, all the jukebox half dollars have shown that, once more, for the 41st week in a row, the number one tune on your hit parade is Melancholy. But don't get excited, folks, because I'm not going to play it for you. I'm going to spin it all for myself and you can just sit there and drool. And if anybody wants to fire me for it, let them go ahead and see if I care. <laughs> oh. Woolsey of the U.S. Department of Labor zipped up his briefcase and went over to the office window. He looked outside at the Capitol building, but the location permitted only a fractional view of the impressive edifice. Anyway, the sun was shining brightly and the grass was green. The man sitting in the chair facing his desk recalled his presence with a polite cough. Oh, said Woolsey, turning around. Sorry, mine's wandering, I guess. I know how you feel, Mr. Woolsey. My job is getting me down, too. Can't seem to get interested in the newspaper anymore. Just the thought of working irritates me. Woolsey sat down, humming softly to himself. He toyed with a paperclip then started to bend it out of shape. But I guess I better get the story, sighed the man in the chair. Boss will give me hell otherwise. Although, he added, he seems to care about working even less than I do. Yes, said Woolsey abstractedly. My, it certainly is a nice day. Damn shame to be indoors on a day like this. What say we go for a walk, asked the reporter. 
We can take a stroll around the fountain. We can do our business just as well. Splendid idea, said Woolsey. This place is getting on my nerves. Outside, the assistant labor secretary said, Oh, it's true, all right. The Martian labor force now outnumbers the humans by five to one. Some companies have completely converted to Martians, like the Oxco Corporation, for instance. In fact, it probably won't be very long before we'll have an all-Martian labor force across the country. The reporter said, Can I quote you? If you like. The labor man shrugged. Seems like employers just can't find men interested in their jobs. But the Martians go merrily along, using their three hands at maximum efficiency. And it's not just in manual labor that they're gaining tremendous amounts of ground. How do you mean? Woolsey paused by the flowing fountain, watching the cool gusher leap from the mouth of a stone fish. Well, he said vaguely, they're taking over other kinds of work. White-collar stuff, teaching, architecture. In fact, I hear that the Brooklyn Dodgers are considering a Martian for third base. No, Woolsey said. Water looks nice, doesn't it? I wonder if they would mind if I took my shoes off and... Mr. Woolsey! Oh, just for a minute, you know. Can't see any harm in it. Matter of fact, should be quite refreshing. Yes, but, sir... Oh, come now, said Woolsey starting to unlace his shoes. If you'd rather work, go ahead. I want to relax. He took his shoes off and began to work on the socks, humming the strains of melancholy to himself. The reporter scratched his head. I don't want to work, he confessed. I haven't wanted to work for months. The whole idea of working just makes me sore. He hesitated a moment and then reached down for his shoelaces. The Martian stood in front of the boss's desk, but this time there was no nervousness in his manner. Tefnu, said Huber. Yes, sir, said the new foreman. Tefnu, I have something to tell you, and I don't know how you're going to take it. Please, said Chafnu. Huber got up and went to the table. There was a leather suitcase perched on top. He took it off and placed it on his desk. Then he opened it. He reached over and took Diana's photograph from the blotter and put it inside. You've been doing a good job, the boss continued. An excellent job, as a matter of fact. Properly thanking, said Chafnu. I don't want you to thank me. It's only logical, after all. Especially when we put nothing but Martians in your shop. We needed a Martian foreman then. He went to the bookcase, lifted out two of the books, and dropped them into the suitcase. Now things have changed again, Chafnu. Changed drastically. And the Oxygen Corporation of America is going to need your help. Desirable of service, said Chafnu. Very willing of it. I know you are. And that's why the board of directors have decided that you should take over the whole show. He clicked the suitcase shut with an air of finality. Uncomprehend, said the Martian blankly. We're an all-Martian plant now, Huber said. Even the front office will soon be all-Martian. The stockholders figure that the only reasonable thing to do is to put a Martian in charge of everything. You were my recommendation, and the board accepted it. But strange, you work job, do not? If you mean it's my job, the answer is no. 
It's not my job anymore. Oh, don't feel sorry for me. I want to quit. I just haven't been pulling my weight around here for the last year. I'm getting lazy or something, Chaffnin. The whole idea of working bores me silly. Huber went over to the musophone and turned it on. Melancholy, he said, as the haunting phrases emerged from the loudspeaker. That's the way I feel about working. You know something, Chaffnew? Sometimes I think that damned tune has something to do with it. Sir? Oh, I know it sounds crazy, but somehow, the way I feel about working and the way that tune sounds, they're all mixed up in my mind. Oh, well. The boss picked up his suitcase. The job's yours, Chavnew. So's the office. Both of them aren't the greatest in the world. But I had some fun. He stuck out his hand. Good luck, he said. Cannot, said Chavnew. What? Impossible for acceptance, said the Martian. But why, said Huber? You know you can handle it. Confidence great and very, said the Martian. But reason is not for acceptance. Plentiful job for Martians. I don't get you. Declined offer responsible to plan change. Understand? Quitting from factory do chaff new. Otherwise business. You mean you're leaving the factory? You're going to take another job? Huber looked befuddled. Excitement offer, said the Martian. Great salary remuneration. Opportunity. Well, I'll be damned. Huber grinned and slapped Chaffnew lightly on his sensitive back. I guess you know what you're doing, Chaffnew. Plenty of opportunities for a Martian these days, especially since humans don't seem to want to work. Situation so, said Chaffnew. Okay, then, said Huber. Whatever you have in mind, Chaffnew, I hope you make a go of it. Good luck, old pal. Friendship, said Chaffnew warmly, clasping Huber's hand in his three and shaking it enthusiastically. Hello, you today. Time again emerging for spins on table with disc black musical. Back up and sit relax. Pipe smoke and good food eating. Abundancy music available herein. Bring pleasure immensely into home yours. Currency latest in recordings. Employing old yours Chicho Chafnu. Piping soon big favorite Martian song Melancholy. But firstly, a message from sponsor ours. Tomorrow on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast... If, after a great struggle, the East were to prevail over the world, what sort of civilization would be imposed by the victors? Would it be an Oriental version of the societies we know? Or might the great old culture be superimposed upon what was left of Western technology? The Turning Wheel by Philip K. Dick. That's tomorrow on the Lost Sci-Fi Podcast. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.